Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the Hospital Finance Podcast. You know, these days it's important for hospitals to collect on every dollar that they've earned. And one way to do that is to strengthen the healthcare revenue cycle. Uh, and there are many ways to go about that. But what we're going to be bringing to you today is the actual experience or a case study, if you will, from two of our team members uh, who in a former life worked at a hospital together and worked on some pretty interesting initiatives around their revenue cycle and saw some pretty dramatic results. So today... I'm joined by Olga Barone-Allen, who is a client relations manager here at Bessler, and Meliza Weiner, who is a manager and clinical review nurse. So welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Mike. So as I mentioned, um, you were both involved in a cross-functional team effort to improve revenue cycle operations at a hospital here in New Jersey. Tell me what motivated the team to put a working group like this together. So... um my role at the hospital was director of PFS. Meliza was the director of case uh, case management, and she'll probably speak a little bit more about that. But when we uh, first met each other, we were uh, asked by the CFO to initiate a collaborative meeting between the various departments involving uh, the revenue cycle. Uh, previously, these departments were working in silos, so there was really no communication and the, um, the impact of some of the decisions or some of the actions that were taken in these departments uh, would affect the reimbursement at the end of the cycle, which um, really geared the, the CFO to pull all these departments together uh, in conjunction with the CIO, having the CIO's uh, backing. So as part of the initiative, she had pulled together uh, the reg- registration department, uh, case management, HIM, uh, PFS, mm-hmm. uh, and the ancillary departments. But they were called into to, to the meetings, and they were weekly meetings, and we would all attend, and we would have we would start creating tools, and we had KPI tools, K, uh, key performance measures, and denial rates. Um, unbilled charges, uh, late charges. These were tools that we used to try and improve processes. One of the major things that Meliza um, uh, and I, um, one of the top items that we had to focus on was the observations. Mm-hmm. And uh, the problem that the this provider was having at the time was that they were changing the patient status of these accounts from an observation to an inpatient to an ER patient. And this was happening within the mainframe system. What this was, what what impact this was having was mischarges and incorrect reimbursement rates. Um, so we collaboratively met each other and uh, really believed in the initiative. And uh, and I'll let Meliza speak a little bit on from her perspective what this meant and how this enlightened her and her department um, in the initiative that we took. Um, I think to Olga's point, one of the issues that was also brought up, um, like she mentioned, one of the key performance indicators that we were having an issue with is denials and also um, the switching back and forth between observation and inpatients. And what was happening because of that um, on her end, as far as um, the finance end, 
they were having problems with billing. Are we billing observation? Are we billing the days? Are we billing inpatient? And because of this mistake, it was creating sort of a, a chaotic scene on her end, not to mention also in the inpatient scene because of switching back and forth requires physician involvement as far as documentation, writing the orders. So there was a lot of, um, should we say, misunderstanding, and then it was impacting our denial rate, and at the end it was impacting dollars that was bringing in into um, the provider that we were working for at that time. Well, that's, that's one great <clears throat> example of how you can collaborate as a team to sort of address uh, it's really a clinical and a financial issue, right? Um, so I do want to unpack this a little bit more. So talk to me, you know, when you, when you got together in this large group, how did you go about uh, thinking about the goals that you wanted to achieve, deciding what they would be, and then prioritizing them? So what we did um, the first month we uh, that the, the meetings or, or this group started to get together, we started to pull together denial rate, uh, unbilled charges, um, our DNFB, uh, any uh, billing edit, scrubber edits, and and we what we did was we sorted it high to low by volume, number of accounts, and total dollars, obviously. And what the common theme that we saw on all these reports uh, were the observation. So we dug down to see what was the core issue, what was creating our observation claims from not going, uh, being billed out because they were being prevented from the billing. And then when the few that were going through the process, why were they being denied? So we, what we did was we, we took the regulations for Medicare we analyzed that, and, and, and it was also an educational process for everybody because what we learned during this process was how to really identify carving out hours from transporting a patient from one area to another. And that is always under, it's not, it's, it's not always on the forefront of everybody's agenda. So it was, it was very manual and that's where we needed the buy-in from the CIO and the CFO because it was a very manual process. And as you know, rounding up, rounding down hours for transport, it's a very tedious job um, in keeping track of that. So with the, with the collaboration and uh, support of the CFO and CIO, we were able within the mainframe system and with case management and HIM and the ER department registration, to be able to identify these claims and make sure that from day one, they were going to the various departments that needed to actually code it correctly, make sure the patient status was the correct patient status from day one, and then calculate the hours, uh, carving out the transport, uh, the transfer hours out before the bill. So the, the the DNFB for those claims, we had reduced it down to maybe four or five days, which yeah. was uh, tremendous because we had claims that were out there for three to four months, months. sitting there, um, which impacts obviously reimbursement. Right. And you know what we did was we took that education, and Meliza can you know uh, speak to the education part. You know she was bringing this back to the the right 
the nurses. And Correct. So um, to add to what Olga is saying, we also identify that the education piece, and I understand clinicians went to school to be clinicians, mm -hmm. and we wanted to keep it that way. But we want to make sure that the process is in place started at the beginning and identify them early on. And if we are moving them from one department to another department, we have to streamline that. So we also involved um, other departments like the radiology departments, the lab department, the emergency room department, so that when we are working with these patients, we know how to work on this claim. Is this an observation from the beginning? And if it's an observation, then we already know how we're going to build them, what we are looking for as far as hours. If they were considered inpatient, then we already know how we're working with that. So getting the right status at the beginning, so at the end we're not switching back and forth between observation and then changing them to inpatient and then switching them back to observation. Because that alone is just tedious, trying to keep track of what the charges are going to be. Right, and like, like um, Eliza said, the issue we were finding was not only were we missing charges because of the patient status changing, but we were also um, missing specific codes that need to get on the bill. And I think that one of the things that once everybody in the room, the various department heads, the ancillary departments, ER, case manager, HIM, we realized, I mean, the motto became, hey, we want to get paid on everything we, were, we did. And that was our goal. That was our mission. That was our, uh, you know, what drove us. Because we realized, you know, they realized more than we did because we knew we weren't getting paid properly. But they realized, oh, wow, we, we did all this work and we're not getting paid. Right. Like they were amazed. It was like an when aha we, moment. Yeah, it was an aha moment. And then they were really uh, motivated and passionate about, you know, th the service, that, that procedure. Mm -hmm. I want to <clears throat> drill in on something you said a few minutes ago around working with the CIO, um, because you know anyone that's involved in, in health IT as we are um, these days knows that the CIO is is I don't say overwhelmed. Maybe they probably many of them would say that they are. Um, there's so many different. <laughs> aspects that they're responsible for, not only from just running the technology at the hospital, making sure all that goes smoothly, but cybersecurity and lots of other things that fall under their aegis. And so, um, you know, how do you get that CIO engaged uh, if, you're, if you're coming in from sort of a mid-level or from a C hopefully from a CFO perspective is dealing with their peer, um, but how do you get them to understand um, that this is, this is an issue? Um, I, I think at the beginning is to bring them, I, is to bring them at the beginning when you're in the planning phase and what the goal is and to get them to understand how their department plays a key role in the initiative. And I think the other thing with, with our CIO at the time is also um, being backed up by the CFO because that's another um, tie in there is having the CFO backing it up and knowing that the initiative, it was all, it was a collaborative initiative that it was all our goal to get where we want, and it involves everybody having the CIO at the beginning and understanding how much of an impact and how much revenue we're gonna lose if we don't put this in place. And putting that, quantifying it for them as far as their impact, I think is one of the key aspects of getting you know the CIO involved. Um, yeah, and the right? other thing was it, uh, when we 
when we sat down and initially showed the trend between the various mm-hmm. reports and the, the highest impacted, uh, you know, opportunity that we had, and when we explained to the CIO um, and the CFO the manual process that was involved in getting this achieved, they were like, why are we doing this? You know, you need five people to handle this, you know, one from each department. Why can't we do this systematically? And we like, that's why we need you. So we were able, and then and then the savings or the, re, you know, what we were able to um, achieve by this was that by, inclu- by improving this process, they realized that, you know, how much more money they would be able to obtain for an organization. And, uh, you know, it makes them look good. If they're able to report at senior leadership meetings that they've improved mm-hmm. their cash collection by this much because an, uh, an improvement that departments that were not talking previously are collaborating and, and improving, you know, it, it makes them uh, really look good. So they were really engaged. And, you know, don't get me wrong, they didn't attend every single meeting. You know, they attended the first couple of meetings and then they handed it off to, you know, they handed it off to me. And then, you know, Meliza was the representative from case management. And then, you know, uh, so we would report back on a regular basis to them and then we would show numbers. So we were constantly showing the improvements and uh, and it showed in our clean claim rate, our, in our DNFB, we were able to bring that down and turn that around. So the numbers don't lie. So when we were showing them that feedback, they were so engaged. And um, you know, with the CIO's involvement and his support, uh, their support, we were able to load you know, uh, a slew of uh, like 23 work queues within the mainframe, which is really even before it gets to the billing scrubber. And um, so that was that was a major accomplishment. So um, we talked about ways to get people on board and the satisfaction of how that um, looks when it when it works. <laughs> Who wasn't on board? The, I would say initially the ancillary departments were not on board. They were, they just did not understand. They were convinced that every charge that they provided was making it to the bills. And when we proved to them that um, the bills were not uh, representative of everything, uh, and they had a budget to adhere to within their own department, and they realized that they tied the, you know, the, the loss of, of revenue mm-hmm. um, was tying into their budget, then it clicked. Um, initially of, you know, uh, case, not case management, but managed, contract management was not involved. And uh, that, was, uh, that was tough because, you know, when you adjust a claim or, or change a claim in a mainframe, you have to reprorate a claim so that it's, you know, calculating to the net so it's not sitting on your receivables at gross. Um, and uh, we were a, l- a bit behind on that uh, as an organization. Uh, the other thing was we, we didn't have a charge master uh, department. So that was very key. Our charges needed to be updated, needed to um, you know, be t- 
need to be created. You know, there were cer certain services we weren't even, we didn't even have charges for because there wasn't a designated department. So we were able to convince the CFO uh, to get a vendor to come in and help us bring us up to speed. So all those things really, it was, uh, it, it was a whirlwind of, of, of different um, actions going on, but it ultimately, everybody within that team uh, still to this day uh, remembers it, you know, it, in the beginning it was rough, you know, but uh, at the end they really realized the uh, major impact. And, it, and a lot of it was copied over to corporate. So everything we did was cookie cut, you know, it was like copied and brought over to corporate. So it was a, a great initiative. What uh, advice would you give a hospital that's considering putting together a, a cross-functional initiative of, of any kind um, to, to improve revenue cycle? I think one of the things that, that needs to be um, addressed at the beginning is, one is you, you have to make sure that you have a buy-in of every department that's gonna be impacted by this collaborative initiative. You can't, uh, you can't work on a collaborative and not involve certain departments. So one of the things that we did is we involved everybody at the beginning and saying at the beginning, look, we're starting this, and if for some reason it was determined that we don't need you to come on a weekly basis, we're going to invite you on a monthly basis if it affects your processes. And I think just starting that at the beginning and starting proactively would work. The other thing also is to see the knowledge and do an assessment of the knowledge of the teams that you're going to get involved. How much do they really know on what this initiative is going to be? Because the first thing, and I will tell you this from experience, the first thing when they say, okay, we're doing this collaborative project, the first thing, another thing on my plate, another thing for me to do, I have all of this going on in operations. I think is to educate them first at the beginning. This is what we're going to be doing, and this is the reasons why. What is your understanding of it? If they don't understand, educate first before getting them to do some work, because they get defensive. Um, I would say definitely show them the numbers. Yeah. You know, showing them the numbers and 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 the impact that it has uh, to their their department directly um, makes it, it, it just a light bulb goes up. Uh, they really don't uh, know the impact. You know, a, a department knows they do they perform a service and they they put you know they they record it. They don't know that it's not making it on a bill or the way they're putting it on a bill is the incorrect way. So by showing them the loss of money or the denial rate or um, you know uh, the mischarge um, has a, a tremendous impact on them. And then you have to celebrate the success. Yes. Even if it's so small or so tiny, you have to celebrate the success. Because I remember we'd go back to what we have at the time, the Medical Quality Council, where the physician heads sit on it. And I would bring in the report from our team, and I said, you know, just this small initiative of what we did when we implemented case management in the emergency room, our denials went down. We were able to bill more when it comes to observation charges. Um, they were happy. They were ecstatic because just this little effort made a great impact, and so they keep wanting to do more. Olga Maliza, thanks for coming by and sharing that very rich experience with us. We certainly appreciate it, and I'm sure our audience does as well. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. If you enjoy the Hospital Finance Podcast, 
please head up to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a positive review. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.